We've already talked about how a lot of board gaming culture is hype-driven, meaning that with the new hotness every few days, the world turns pretty quickly in this hobby. One day a game is on top of the world, lauded for its many unique achievements, and the next, it's a mainstay on Cool Stuff's clearance page. Some games are flashes in the pan, one single box that makes a dent in gaming and then disappears just as quickly. But what about grand card games? Those systems that try and squeeze a whole universe's worth of content into an already crowded market? Some of these card games are around for years, releasing a myriad number of expansions and boosters before simply going up in smoke, leaving its large, dedicated fan base without a home. I'm not ashamed to admit that there's something I love about games that have fallen by the way, either because the community cooled on it, or because the publisher decided they'd simply had enough. And with Fantasy Flight announcing a new living card game based on Marvel Comics this past week at Gen Con, this feels like a great time to talk about these kind of games. But where do all these great games go? Is there a second life for dead card games? Welcome to the Player One, Player Two podcast. Episode 9, The Dead Sea, Part 1. Hi, I'm Eric, and I'm Player One. I'm Kathleen, and I'm Player Two. Welcome to the Player One, Player Two podcast. It's a podcast about board games, and in particular, the two-player experience of playing board games. Today, we're going to do something that's a little bit different, but not that different. We're going to sort of start what may hopefully be a slightly sporadic ongoing series about uh i'll say card games in general but more specifically card games that are no longer supported i kind of talked a little bit about living it in card games that well, are not, no longer, oh not well, just I, I mentioned it a little bit that on was the, the pitch man i mentioned it a little bit on the blog not specifically but i was talking about value in gaming and i think that one of the things that I think came across in that, and it's definitely fair, is that I'm a big fan of... Collectibles? Collectibles, but not necessarily the collectible format. I'll talk more about what I'm talking about as we keep going, but when I talk to Kathleen about Collecting it, in sets, not collecting in cards? Sh- sure. All right. When I talked to Kathleen about it, I was like, let's talk about living card games, vaguely, broadly speaking. In the first episode, we can talk about Star Wars, the card game. I can talk about that. Because it's a game that we both like. Probably me more so. Well, that's because I'm stubborn and I only play one faction. That's true. And she also does none of the deck building. So the onus falls solely on my shoulders. But anyway. He knows. I don't deck build. But that being said, she likes Star Wars. I like Star Wars a lot. And Star Wars is my favorite of these sort of living card games. And I'll talk about the terminology here to kind of explain everything that this will encompass. But I figure that we could talk about the format. We can talk about games that are no longer supported and have essentially died. And right now, through the lens of Star Wars, the card game. Because it's coming to an end? It is already done. Yeah. It, it was officially discontinued, I think, at least a year ago. But it hasn't been terribly well supported even prior to that. Mm -hmm. The Star Wars the card game is, or was. This is, this can be depressing. I don't, well, maybe a little bit, but (laughs) not really. Star Wars the card game was a fantasy flight living card game that was designed by Eric Lang. Uh, Eric Lang, 
who I think when Fantasy Flight hired him to design a whole bunch of their living card games, was a reasonably well-known designer, but now he's sort of like a huge deal, known for things like Rising Sun and Blood Rage, is the game that Kathleen really likes that he's designed as well. He made both of those games? Yeah. Oh, jeez. He's a big fan of dudes on the map games, which makes you pause and be like, well, really? Well, how did he make all these crazy card games back in the day? I really like Blood Rage. So we're going to talk about that because I think as of right now, Star Wars the card game is in my top 10 games of all time because it's like my favorite card game. It is really fun. Um, my favorite non-cooperative card game. I have to throw that in there. Yeah. Uh, but to give you some background, if I'm throwing What some, is an LCG? What a fine segue, dear. <laughs> it, you really picked that up so naturally. That was just like... I guess to explain what an LCG is... That I'll stands s- for Living Card Game. I'll explain what a CCG is. I don't know what that stands that for. That stands for a collectible card game. Oh, okay, okay. If okay. we were to get in the Wayback Machine, we could talk about Magic the Gathering, which was invented around 1993, I think. I'm not going to look it up. You can do that. But Magic the Gathering was not the first of its kind, I don't believe, but it was a game that made collectible card games the hot, 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 hot heat, really. Yeah, so collectible card games really are card games where you play pre-constructed decks built from randomized booster packs. So like you'd buy a 15-card pack of random cards that are just sort of scrambled together. 1993 on Magic the Gathering. Good job. I'm reading on its Wikipedia page. So collectible card games or CCGs were super hot in the 90s and early 2000s, but the main complaint people have about collectible games is that they're kind of a money pit. Mm-hmm. That you have to spend lots and lots of money, and you're buying a lot of things that you maybe don't want. You buy a pack, and all of it's in it's junk, and none of the stuff you need. But, you know. And, but some people are really into that. I you... don't want to poo-poo it. We certainly played Magic for years. But it is, it, it's an expensive hobby. I mean, I would say that that's a drawback for us, but that's actually something that, like, more of the gambling set kind of gets into we know some people where there's a big circle for that venn diagram of like people who play magic and people who spend a lot of time at the casino and as i wrote on the blog like when you take away the randomization you also take away like the excitement of opening things like there is something exciting about opening a pack yeah and being like wow look at this car look at this crazy thing i got you don't have that but i never had that (laughs) so magic is a is a still thriving community and that's great. I have nothing bad to say about Magic other than the fact that we don't play it anymore. And it's just not really the direction that we want to go as gamers. In the years following Magic the Gathering's huge boon, uh, there were a number of other CCGs that came out. Some of which we've tried. Some of which I actually have starter sets for, but we never actually played. And that's because most of these other CCGs are dead. Like, they were supported for a matter, of, a matter of time, like a year, two years, five years, ten years in some cases. And then they were discontinued because they were no longer profitable. Magic is, like, king of the mountain because it's been around at this point for, what, 26 years? Uh, along comes Fantasy Flight in the 2000s at some point, and they invent a format called the Living Card Game. Now, the Living Card Game is different from the Collectible Card Game because there's nothing randomized in it. With Living Card Games, you have preset uh, expansions, quote-unquote. So they either be big box expansions, they call them deluxe expansions, or these small 50 or 60 card packs. But everything in there is available online to see. You can see everything available in any of these boxes to see if you want to buy them. 
if you want to buy two of them, if you don't want to even touch it because it's worthless. So it's the kind of thing where you get the same sort of pre-constructed experience from a CCG, but you don't have the randomization. You don't have that excitement. You don't have the blind buy. Maybe that's good, maybe that's bad. And I use the term LCG, and I say broadly, because LCG is technically a copyrighted term. Mm -hmm. So there are some other games that fall into that same kind of format, but they're not allowed to be called LCGs, which I find really frustrating. So they're called expandable card games, or they all kinds of goofy names. Oh, boy. So you'll hear ECGs, or I don't know. I, <laughs> card if, game that never ends. For the sake of talking Growing about it, game. I'll probably just call them all LCGs. Apologies to Fantasy Flight. I wish you guys would just take credit for inventing that term and then set it free, but they won't. They won't do <laughs> so that. So they don't have to TM. Yeah, right. <laughs> um, but we'll talk about a whole lot of them. When we, for full disclosure, Kathleen and I, I had to write them down. We have played sixteen different CCGs or LCGs, most of which, well, about half of which are dead, hmm. no longer supported by their publisher. Uh, the interesting thing about old dead CCGs and LCGs is a lot of times you can get them for really cheap because the idea is that the market's probably fairly saturated with product that nobody really wants anymore. And as much as Eric likes to say he's reformed from the collectible side, there's something he finds very satisfying about buying 100 cards for... Like a uh, dollar, yeah. yeah. What a deal. Uh, we'll talk sort of about our thoughts on it as we go but like i said for this first episode we'll at least talk about lcgs and ccgs through the lens of um star wars the card game mm -hmm. as previously mentioned designed by eric lang so star wars is the fave for yeah. eric i think yeah it is fine and as head-to-head -head card games go it's my all-time favorite head-to-head -head card game simply mm -hmm. how do you I'm feel about it I like it. I think that the more I play it, I realize that I just don't really like head-to-head -head card games <laughs> as much. Um, I can't help it. This is your fault. The farther we've gotten into this hobby, the more I'm like, no, I don't want to play that. I want to play this. I want to play this kind of game over and over again. No. Now I have knowledge. So, like, in the beginning, as you get, I ate the apple. Like, in the beginning, <laughs> I would play whatever. I'd be like, cool, it's a Friday night. I'll play whatever you like. And I'd be like, oh, I didn't like that. I like that. But as we've kind of evolved as, like, learning to play these games and finding the games that I really do like and talking about the strategies that we have and the way that we play games, I realize that I just get occasionally frustrated with games that are so predicated on the draw. I think that the very first episode we talked about how frustrated we each feel when we play games that rely on anything that's highly randomized. The more yeah. games we play, the more we seem to be moving away from games that rely heavily on dice or heavily on card draw. And it's odd because our intro to the hobby was through something like magic. It was through magic, magic literally. The which gathering. is not only completely dependent on card yep on card draw but it is also like the granddaddy for all of these games we mm -hmm. can look at every one of these games almost and say without magic this game would not either yeah. not exist or not exist like this so true story um eric tried to teach his mother this game because that was a mistake to piggyback on what we talked about last time about IPs, he thought he could get her into it because she loves Star Wars. Like, love Star Wars. Like, 
she's the one who took you to see all those movies when you were a kid. Yeah. And, like, love Star Wars. And my mom loves games, and she keeps, like, wanting to play more. Like, so Eric more thought, games? So you know, like, this why is don't a, I try and teach you this game? This is a complicated I one. I find very rewarding, but I'm in a patient mood, and you seem to be interested yeah. in it. Let me and try that. And this is an IP you're interested in, so we're going to get you. And I came home, I think, when they were playing it. And she just kind of looked at me and said, "Help me." <laughs> I think I ended up playing it open-handed with her. <laughs> and I don't think it—I don't think it mattered because at the end of the game, she was basically like, "I, I don't—I I didn't understand literally anything that happened." No. And and I told him that he didn't have the basic understanding to get where she was coming from because she never played magic. She never played magic. So magic is another using cards as resources. Yeah, or magic all is another like, one of those games that if you want to learn how. To play card games, you've got to learn mm-hmm. magic. Magic will teach you a lot of things that, as a gamer now, we take for granted. Yeah. And even down to the fact that, like, a lot of cards... Like, I, I don't know that she'd ever played a game where the cards changed the ability so fully. Yeah. And like then there the, are some cards keyed, you can only play on the your combo. turn. Yeah, I some don't... cards that are functionally instants. Because like that. you have to have the language of magic to understand that every game that follows it that's a card game is using that language but different terms. Yeah, so that's why I mean when I said that magic is like the granddaddy. So basically every time we play any new game that's a that's anything like an LCG, I'll say, oh, well, what is tap? What is the tip? What is tapped? How do you exhaust a card? Yeah. How do you say that something's been used? <laughs> exactly. Or like uh, that? So we always translate things. Oh, another one, instance. Um, even in games that are not LCGs, I'll ask like, oh, is this, is this an, an instant? instant? Yeah, there are board games that have interrupt cards. Yeah. It's like, oh, it's an instant. It's an yeah. instant. And it's just like, it's, it's fundamental. The yeah. Magic sort of defined the card play vernacular in so much of the hobby. Which, I mean, other people might have other games that maybe did the same thing that sure. they always equate, but that's kind of our source language. And I think that it is really important to understanding these kind of games. So I would say if we're talking to people who have not played games before, even if you love the IP of Star Wars, it's maybe not one that you want to jump in unless you're really patient. Yeah, I mean, the thing to be noted about most LCGs, and to some degree collectible games as well, is that they tend to be more complex card games than your normal filler card games. They have more involved things going on. The fact that you have such a large pool of cards to draw from... And they all, well, not all, but so many of them have special abilities. Mm -hmm. The rules tend to constantly be in flux, which means that if you're not familiar with a game like that, you're going to find it very overwhelming. But once you learn how the game works, and you learn that sort of the environment in which you're interacting is fluid, then, for my money at least, it makes it more interesting. Yeah, I I think the I think Star Wars is a really fun game. I think it's a really interesting game. But I do also think that like one of my hang-ups from Magic days is that I find it frustrating. And I find it even more frustrating that the fix for that that you kept mentioning when I was frustrated last time was, well, maybe I need to change your deck, which I just have no interest in external deck building. Before we go too much into like 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 granular details about Star Wars. Uh-huh. Let me see if I can give you uh, in a nutshell how it works. Uh-huh. So anybody who may have some familiarity with magic, they'll be like, oh, put their finger on how this works pretty quickly. If you don't, I'll try and give you details on a broader sense so you're not too confused. Now, again, <laughs> this is this is a heavier card game. It's by, not by far the heaviest that we've had or that's out there. 
Um, but it's not the simplest by far either. So Star Wars is a game where you each player comes with a pre-constructed deck of cards. Technically two decks, actually. One deck of objectives, mm -hmm. one deck of normal cards you put into your hand. Mm -hmm. There's like ten, normally about at least ten objectives that you're drawing from. When you build your deck, you choose your objectives first because each objective has a certain number of cards with it. I think it's five. Mm -hmm. And so you essentially build your deck based on your objectives. When you have your ten objectives, that is your 50 cards. The whole point of the game is... And it's, it's asymmetrical. It's kind of asymmetrical. Not really, though. Because what you're essentially doing is you're trying to destroy the other person's objectives. They have, like, a defense value. So Yeah, but you have ways... Uh, you you can max it out. It's easier for the Empire player. Yeah. Because there's a ticking clock in the game. But in most head-to-head -head card games, what you're doing is you're attacking, like, an avatar. Like, this is my card that is me. Or you're just attacking the player. Like, I'm going to attack you. But in Star Wars, the you're attacking the other player's objectives. And there's always mm -hmm. going to be at least three. And they can defend or not, or not as they see fit with people and ships, ships and, creatures and creatures and all, and all kinds, kinds of, of stuff. Yeah. So you can have engagements. You can have... Engagements are pretty much like standard battle, I would say. Mm -hmm. But you, rather than just having an attack and a defense value, you have these really cool icons where like, I can do damage to another unit. I can do damage to an objective. I can exhaust, quote unquote, mm -hmm. exhaust a unit. Um and so and you I can get those automatically or you can win special other ones that are coded in the symbology by having a battle. There's a thing prior to an engagement called an edge battle. This is one of the more interesting things about Star Wars mm -hmm. that I don't want to talk about the details of the game without talking about this. Even if you don't know what we're talking about, this is a really cool idea. Yeah. And I don't want to go into the details of it because it's sort of hard if you're not looking at the cards. But there's a certain symbol that will appear on almost all of the cards. They're called force what, force symbols? Something like that? I don't know. They look like little... Oh, uh, yeah, they're force They kind of look like symbols. little watch batteries is what they kind of yeah, they do. look like. Yeah. But they're always on like the left Hearing aid edge. batteries that you get at yeah, the... Yeah, <laughs> basically. I was at the Walgreens and got some yep. hearing aid batteries. So when you... Prior to beginning an engagement, you say who's going to be in it. And then whoever's starting it will start the edge battle by putting cards down in front of them one at a time. And you alternate player to player. And what essentially you're doing is you are, like, blind bidding yeah. on who's going to have initiative. Like, who gets to go first. And so it's this sort of push-your-luck blackjack aspect. Yeah. Because as you get rid of cards from your hand, you don't get to draw back up until your next turn. So in the event that there's another engagement on the next player's turn, you may not have any cards in your hand to bid, to bid with. Mm -hmm. Which might mean the difference between winning or losing an engagement. It has a very, I don't know, like, I, blackjack is probably the best way of putting it. Yeah. Because you don't know how far to push it. And the other player, or you even, may have a card that says scrap everything that's been put down and start over again. And depending on if you win the edge battle or not, your cards may be more or less powerful. Mm -hmm. And it's a really cool, really fast... It can be really exciting, too, when you're, when you're like, no, like, I have to win this. Yeah. If I don't win the edge battle, then this engagement is I a mean, huge mess. Ultimately, that's why I like it, but it's also why I find it incredibly frustrating. Because I will say one thing about the game is that I think it's very well done thematically. <laughs> I've, so I only ever play as a Rebel Alliance. That's I'm stubborn. When I start playing with a thing, that's what I do. When I played Magic, I played a rat deck. When I played... Um, 
Conquest, I played the orcs. orcs. Like People I talk about Conquest. When I played Smash Up and lost repeatedly, I kept insisting that the ghosts be in the deck. I'm like very particular about learn, <laughs> which is why these games are not suited to me, and are more suited to you. Because I don't really like, I like to get to know something so well that I can make it work. But then the problem is in a game like Magic, you just reach a point where your deck works really well and then the other person adjusts theirs to work better. And that is what you were suggesting about Star Wars that I don't like. No, I think that originally I, I was winning a lot when I was playing against Kathleen and I, I paused at one point to realize that I think I made her Rebel Alliance deck when we didn't really have that many cards. I never really changed it. I know, but I don't... Oh, it's just so irritating that you have to change it. Because it was... I was perfectly fine and satisfied when you were playing... When we were playing... When you were just playing just like the plain old Empire against me. No, I was the scum and villain. I was the bounty hunter. I know you were scum and villainy, but you were somebody before that, too. Before you were scum and villainy, you... You switched to the, scum and villainy. I played as the Sith, like the like Darth Vader. Yeah. But only like once or twice. Mm. I played as the bounty hunters for the majority of the time I've ever played this. Yeah, I guess that's true. So there's something nice and thematic that I was going to say about it in that when you play the Rebel Alliance, the way that the deck is made, you have to basically put it all on the line and do damage as much as you can. And mm-hmm. you basically have to put out a lot of meat shields, <laughs> which <laughs> feels... They're not red shirts. They're just guys with helmets who you don't even yeah, have names. You're like, well, this person's going to die. Man Sorry. With helmet for, oh, because the over. ships are powerful, but they're not terribly... They don't have a lot of longevity. So it's really... I mean, it feels appropriately YOLO when you play... <laughs> when you play the Rebel Alliance, you have to make headway quickly because once the big stuff co- starts coming out, you just can't sustain. Yeah, the Rebel Alliance is... Just like the Rebel Alliance, I imagine in real life would be yeah. like you hit fast, you hit hard, There's and you scr- get out, and then you run away. <laughs> because if you try and get in sort of a, a prolonged engagement, with, no, you're going to you're get completely pissed. underpowered. Yeah. So you have to like sort of sneak in and like take people out as you can with your dirty tricks. I think that the game thematically is done really well, pretty much across the board. That yeah. The Sith deck and the Empire. There's two different Empire factions. Like, straight Empire, not the Bounty Hunters. But, like, uh, they have the Sith, which is, like, Darth Vader and and, and the Dark Jedi. And then there's um, the Imperial Navy. And they're both just, like, super powerful. Mm-hmm. Lots and lots of big things that can come out. Mm-hmm. And so that's a really cool thing. Like you have lots of big ships and Super Star Destroyers, things that Kathleen doesn't know what they are. And she made a face, like... Why you're right, um, but then I don't think I've ever made that face in my life. Not not at me at least. But then I've also played, like I said, as the bounty hunters a lot, and they're really thematic too because you can capture cards mm-hmm. like a bounty. Like you capture cards from the other player, and as you capture more of them, you unlock more abilities for yourself. And I feel like they're appropriately powered. Like IG88 is a pain in my. Oh yeah, I w- that was the reason I got really into the bounty hunters because I was like, I can go and I can get them all. I have Bosk and IG88. Yeah, that's why he was like, I can make a deck. Mom, and I have all with of all them. of these people and, made of. And I told her refuse. all their names, and she just stared at me. <laughs> and I was like, No. And then he was are... like, Here's a really cool one. Its head is made of a water cooler. <laughs> Regardless, there's something cool about the theming, and the, one of the things that's really, really awesome about that theming is as the Rebel Alliance, I have won multiple times in a time, like in a situation when I should not have. Mm-hmm. And so this Star Wars was one of Fantasy Flight. Fantasy Flight released like they came out with something like four living card games in a really short amount of time, most of which Eric Lang worked on. And I think we can say about all of them is that they. 
They feel really balanced. Playing Star Wars as a game, most of the time, mm-hmm. feels like a very well-polished, well-balanced experience. Mm-hmm. I would agree with that. Which is something that is really hard to do. And in our experience, I think Fantasy Flight normally does that. Yeah. The games, in general, feel like a very well-balanced, very well-designed experience. And I appreciate that about Star Wars, because it not only feels thematic, but it feels like you have a fighting chance well, and that's why you go back. Like, so we played a game of it the other night that was incredibly frustrating because Eric had a new deck. Well, we played two games. Oh, yeah, and I won one. The of them. first game, it was a new deck that I made of, like, Sith monsters. I basically was like, these all have the word creature on them. I'm just going to make a whole deck of creature things. And it was crazy powerful. And I just wrecked her. I wrecked Kathleen playing it. Yeah. And she got really mad. I did. <laughs> I was like, wow, you didn't handle that very well at all. I'm, no, I'm I... impressed. <laughs> Uh, but then we played again. I was like, well, let's. why don't we switch so you can kind of see what it's like on the other side. No, I suggested we play again because I wanted to show. Like, I, I will, will continue yes. to play this game. But I was like, let's switch. And you said, no, I want to try it again. Yep. And the second time through, she won. Mm-hmm. And nothing crazy happened. Like, I didn't play super badly or throw the game. And Kathleen didn't have tons of lucky draws. You had worse draws the second time, though. Only marginally. I had the same good stuff. Mm-hmm. But, I mean... It, it just goes to show that I feel like, as compared to a game like Magic, Star Wars gives you the feeling that if you lose, maybe it's the choices you made rather than the cards that you drew. Because Star Wars gives you more choices than mm. I feel like Magic yeah. does. I think that that's fair. Magic, I don't know. It's like, what do I put out? Am I going to Again, attack? I don't know because I feel kind of like sometimes handicapped by my deck because I don't... Because you have to hit hard when you, as soon as you start going, it is more predicated on luck. Because if you get bad hands in the beginning and you're spending all of your money and your resources to just put out, like, I don't know, what's that lady's name? Mon Mara? Oh, Mon Mothma? Mon Mothma? That sounds sounds like she's stuttering. Mon Motha. Mon Mothma? Oh, geez. I'll I'll show it to you later. Can you, like, spell it out for me later? Yeah. Okay. What I'm saying is that you spend all this time putting people out, including people who may not be that great uh, in terms of what you need to do. They might be more helpful later on, but you don't need them in the beginning. And if you put them out in the beginning, because they're the only cards you have, the likelihood is high that some little creature will come and pick them off. Yeah. So just like that in any head-to-head card game. No, and I totally get that. It's just that when your decks get going, it's really hard to combat them with the way that my deck works. And so Yeah, I think the Imperial decks in general, even the bounty hunters, you kinda have to pick up speed. Yeah. At the beginning of the game, I Well, because IG eighty (laughs) eight like costs a ton of money to put out. Like they are well balanced in that way. So even if I get the really powerful cards in my first hand, I'm not gonna be able to play them for kind of a while. Which is fair. It should be like that. Um because that is the equalizer. A lot of the Rebel Alliance cards are sort of powerful, but they're not very strong. Like, mm-hmm. they, like their defense yeah. is low or something. Yeah. So because of that, they're cheaper to cast. Cast, that's a magic word right there. They're cheaper to play, <laughs> um, but they're probably going to get killed. Like, it's just, it's going to happen. Yeah, and you know that because that's what you get for playing the Rebel Alliance. That's yeah. why you see those ships in the movies when sometimes you don't see that there's a pilot. Because, <laughs> <laughs> you know, you're like, oh, that ship just got blown up. I don't have to think about the people inside of there. <laughs> like, it's true. Because a lot of times I'll put out a card and it will 
do two damage to the objective. It'll have three guns on it, but it'll only have two life. And two life in this game is only going to let you live maybe two turns, probably not even. I would say not even, really. Yeah. Because it's one of those, well, if you want to have a fighting chance at defending your things, you're going to have to enter them into a battle, and they're probably going to get killed yeah. the first engagement that they're in. Like, they're going to get taken out. Yeah, that is an equalizer, the cost of things. Yeah, so I can't really... I can't really speak to that side of things because I don't, to the balance side, because if I get a bad draw in the beginning, I I can really be on the ropes. It is really predicated and swingy on luck. But the other flip side of that, that's like, that's how they keep you coming back, is that if I have a good draw towards the end when I am on the ropes and it seems like there's no way I can win, I have won before. And it has been so satisfying mm -hmm. because I've had two cards that allowed me to do crazy stuff and Eric would look as though he was in pretty good shape yeah and I would be like boom 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 took out two objectives this turn I win this is a satisfying game because you can kind of build yourself up for like the big turn well, we yeah. talked about the big turn I think before well I wrote about it about Nippon and the big turn mm. now some games don't have it like you can't save up for the big turn in Star Wars you can and you can, you can look at the board and you can say, like, am I within dis spitting distance of winning? Should I overextend myself to win? Because if X and Y and Z happens, I will. I'll win this turn. Mm -hmm. But if not, I'm going to be, like, really strung out and in a bad shape with, like, like, super exposed. And that's one of my favorite things about this game. Like, let's see how this turn plays out because in this turn, I'm going to either win or I'm going to get so decimated that next turn I'm going to lose. And there's not any way for me to stop it. And I actually like that about this game. Yeah, I do too. It's like, it adds this sort of razor edge excitement to it. Mm -hmm. Which, you're talking about like a Star Wars card game. It was like, this the last thing I would think about. Beyond excitement, do you think that there's anything else about this that sets it apart from other Magic-esque games? Like, the swinginess of this in a good way, I think is one of our favorite parts. I like the edge battles a lot. Yeah, the gambling, always, bluffing aspect. I, yeah, I'm not always great at them. They're another thing that's kind of like Doomtown, where I like them so much that I wish that that was the game <laughs> instead of some of the other stuff, because I'm always ready to get into an edge battle, and then I'm like, oh, yeah, I did it. And then I realize that it doesn't even matter as much because you still had something that had a gun that didn't have, that was always... A, a symbol that could kill my thing, even though I won the edge battle. Like, I don't... Some of the... And that's what I mean when I say that I think maybe I just don't like head-to-head -head combat games. I'm not good at seeing how... I like being like, here's what mine's going to do. I have a hard time keeping track of what yours is going to do in retaliation. And there's something fundamentally uh, tactical about head-to-head -head card games. Yeah. Like, fundamentally. Even a game like uh, Doomtown, which I imagine we'll talk about because it's another game that I, I I care about a great deal and I enjoy a lot. And I talked about that in the first episode, Doomtown. Um, even Doomtown, I think, has the ability to build in long-term strategy more than most others do because that's more of a board game than any other of these. These are all card games. Yeah. But head-to-head -head card games, almost by definition, are... are like, tactical. This long-term strategy of head-to-head -head card games is in your deck building, mm -hmm. which you don't like to do. No. So I can kind of set you up for it, but you have no way... Well, and again, I don't mind deck building that's internal to a game. Like a deck... A like when like you play Legendary or Clan Core. Uh, exactly. When you do deck building of your own volition within the game because it's part of the game, 
I'm fine with that because I can always find a direction for myself. A deck construction then. Yeah. I and don't, the strategy exactly. in this is in the I deck do not like deck construction. No. The quote unquote metagame. The game of the game. I just don't enjoy that because to me it doesn't have a pat. It's too many options. It's too wide. When you used to try and get me to change my magic deck, I just would sit there and think, well, but if I take this out and I can't <laughs> and do this, and then it this. won't work with this. And that, then it, that deck was so combo driven. This Your, so your deck in exhausting. Star Wars is not nearly as much like that. No, it's not, but I still have no interest in amending it. The only I, game and I don't, you are willing to deck build or construct your deck, and this really surprises me, is Lord of the Rings, the card game. Yes, which we because also it, play, but Kathleen will work on her deck in that, which boggles my mind. I'm always like, what are you doing? What are you, you're not supposed <laughs> to be doing that. Put that down. Don't touch those. What are you doing? I don't mind a deck building in that game because every mission in that game has something that can help in one way or another. Yeah, and this mission may be about, I don't know, uh, threat mitigation or yes. something like that. So I'm going to put in all my threat mitigation cards in and take these okay. out that I know that are worthless. Exactly. Yeah, I mean, that makes sense to and me. And it also... The way that it, it narrows down because it's all predicated on having main characters. So I can't just throw in, like, a crazy card if I don't have, basically, an activator. So I yeah. play the blues and the reds, and if I decide to put in more blue, then I can change the cards based on that. But it's not, it's still just between two sets of cards. It's not the whole world, like Magic, where you're like, oh, you run at this deck, but you can also add in this card if you have that card. I mean, obviously the factions do the same thing. The mana does the same thing. But you can have decks that have, like, so many different types of mana. Mm-hmm. So it doesn't, it doesn't feel quite the same to me. Because the mana is still just mana. Whereas there are specific functions in Lord of the Rings. Like, this is attack heavy. This is about questing. And mana, if you don't know, is uh, another magic <laughs> magic term. Yep. See, it's just in the parlance of... You uh, just can't help yourself. Can't help yourself. Uh, but the thing I was going to add also that I think is unique, that I really appreciate about it, is uh, the ticking clock aspect. Yeah. Some well, card games. Well, he would because you didn't actually explain that. Side. Well, the so, so that's what when I Kathleen meant. was saying how the game mm-hmm. was uh, asymmetric. It's because in order for the rebel or the the light side to win, I have she to has to destroy three objectives. three objectives of mine of the dark side. In order for the dark side player to win, they have to not they don't they don't just destroy objectives. Destroying objectives for the dark side is great. If you destroy objectives, excellent job, good job destroying it. But essentially, you also have a dial, and every turn you will advance the dial, it looks like a Death Star, by at least one. If the balance of the force, which I won't even talk about, but I think that's cool also, if the balance of the force is in your favor, you'll advance it by two. And if you ever get the dial to, I think it's 12? Mm-hmm. Yeah, 12, then the dark side wins. So whenever you destroy an objective, you'll also advance the dial. There's a ticking clock. I like the fact that in a Star Wars... Mm-hmm. it's not just going to go on interminably. Like, no. there are some games where you can turtle up and play defensively and drag games on forever. And yeah. this is not a game where that happens. Like, if you want to just, like, screw around and not and play see, anything, then is, it'll just, the time will run out. That's why I, like, it's not just the Rebel Alliance because of the way that it's stacked. No matter what faction I would play, I would have to hit you hard quickly because once you gain traction, you incrementally and sometimes exponentially based on the objectives you're destroying 
are able to make yourself move closer to the end of the game. I mean, thematically, I think ultimately it's like, it's harder for the light side to win. Which is fine. I I actually don't have a problem with that. I always pick the one that's hard. Uh, I don't mind picking the objective that I think is the more difficult one. I'd be really curious to play this game and switch. I and wouldn't. have you well Kathleen doesn't want to because the idea of learning how another deck works <laughs> makes her want to like stab herself now with the pencil but I that I, and this is one of the ways that we're so different like for me if she was like here just try my deck and I was like here just try my deck I think that that sounds really interesting and she sounds that thinks that sounds like a punishment yeah <laughs> like why are you mad at me <laughs> but to understand the dynamic of how something else works or is expected to work for me, is an interesting exercise. And for Kathleen, just sounds terrible. Yeah. So I think that the ticking clock in this is good. I can see how if you're always playing on the light side. You have to move fast. It's a ticking clock, which yeah. isn't always a good thing. Yeah. So I don't know. I think that it's a great game. Kathleen has some reservations about it. In terms of being a living card game, there is still a really healthy community online for it. Um, like Ooh, that's what's fascinating about some of these living card games. Yeah, and then there's another one that we like definitely want to talk Trek about, one. which is Star Trek. That game was published by a company called Decipher, and it was Decipher went out of business, and the company abandoned the game. And but the community sort of continued it, and it's healthier now than it's been in years, or it's incredibly well established and thriving still. Now, Star Wars, I would say, is not that healthy. I mean, it's not not what it once was, but it's still out there, and you can still read about all of the plans and all of the strategies. And... It says it's better to have a federation than an alliance. Ouch! That's the start. That's a Trek versus Wars beef right there. But um, just TNG. If my, you're interested, my in heart belongs to TNG. If you're interested in Star Wars, there's a lot of cards out there that are not that expensive anymore. And I'm always reading, because I wasn't really that into these heavier card games when a lot of these first came out. Star Wars is not a new game by any Mm -hmm. means. Um, And so I look back on reviews that were written at the time, and a lot of them are, I wouldn't say hypercritical, but they're not necessarily glowing. Like, I watched the Shut Up and Sit Down review of it, and they really did not like Star Wars, the card game. Hmm. And the Dice Tower didn't really like it either. They said it was sort of fine. Um, and that disappointed me. And people always complain about LCGs being a money pit just as much as a CCG, which I wrote about already on the blog, and I'm going to just sort of reiterate that I don't, I don't necessarily agree that that's the case. And if anything else, the purpose of this sort of series that may or may not be reoccurring, hopefully it will, because I like them a lot. And Kathleen has been very kind in indulging me (laughs) to play like a million of them. I mean, and I do do like this one. And I will say that in terms of, aside from everything else, if you are the kind of person who played Magic and is familiar with Magic, but maybe didn't find it such a satisfying experience, Mm -hmm. I do think that this is a good game that would work for you. A lot of the things that Kathleen and I balked at playing Magic, a lot of them were remedied in this design. Mm -hmm. And it's interesting, like, that'll probably be a recurring theme through some of these, where we'll go through them and we're like, well... X and Y for Magic I never liked. And in this game, they removed them or they tweaked it and they fixed it. And a lot of those things were done in Star Wars. Mm-hmm. It doesn't really feel like Magic. No. And I guess to me, it is because you can pull off a really satisfying ending. Because in Magic, sometimes you just are like a fish in the water and you're like, I know I'm going to die. 
I and mean, I have I'm, to wait like yeah, four more turns. I'm so. hoping I pull a really great card that helps me turn it around, but the likelihood of that slim to none. Yeah. But I can't give up that possibility because that's not me. So I'm just going to keep pulling until I die. <laughs> <laughs> but like this game doesn't feel, it feels in a weird way. I would say it feels more like a, a game to me. Like it has more unpredictable elements and it's more of a like sit down and have a satisfying experience like equalizing unpredictability exactly versus randomness Cause i guess also when we sit down to play magic we wouldn't like ever just play like all game of magic but i'm totally satisfied sitting down and just playing this yeah we played twice last night or two nights ago to just try and like sort of prep for this i guess yeah and also because I just really like it. And so yeah. I also bought a whole ton of cards on Amazon recently. Yeah. For like $20, I bought like eight packs, <laughs> which would have normally been like a hundred and some bucks. But it was like 22 bucks. It was kind of sad when I did it, though. I realized that the game was, Amazon was liquidating and it made me sad. Uh, I don't know. There's a lot that's still here that's worth exploring if you're interested in slightly heavier weight card games. It's not exactly impenetrable. But it has, I would argue, more tough or interesting choices than Magic does. Mm-hmm. Most of the interesting choices that go into Magic happen when you build the deck. Yeah. But when you play Star Wars, you are presented with a ton of great and difficult decisions that I think are really satisfying to make. So that's Star Wars. Um, if you're a Star Wars player, by all means, let us know. Um, you could shoot us an email at player1player2podcast at gmail.com. And the T-W-O-O-O-N-E are spelled out. Tell us if you're mourning the game. If you're mourning the game, if you're still part of a thriving community, that'd be delightful to hear. You can also uh, follow Eric on his Insta, which is at eric.the.wellred. And red is R-E-A-D. Like because. Yeah, because we put some cool pictures on there of our first time playing Gaslands. Maybe we should talk about Gaslands because oh, it was so much fun. It was crazy. It was really fun. Fury rode the game. It was, yeah, it was, it was it was awesome. So maybe we'll talk about Gaslands next time. It's and worth if you, noting that it was like a race, but nobody finished. We all just got blown up. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for listening. Uh, reach out to us if you have any questions or comments, and we will address them in the future. <laughs>